All right, so we are in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit, and so if you would, open up your Bibles, if you would. I'll tell you where to open up. Uh, you can open up to, let's see here, uh, John chapter 14 is a good place to open up. Talking about the Holy Spirit today, if you're new to church, let me just kind of catch you up, all right? Uh, you're familiar with Jesus because you have celebrated Easter and Christmas, um, you are familiar with the fact that he died on the cross for you uh, because you are familiar with Easter. And the God the Father sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And uh, most of you have heard that story. Uh, but there is a third part to the Trinity, and he is the Holy Spirit. Uh, so there's God the Father, and then God sent his son, who is God, Jesus, and there's a third part to this trinity named the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you take God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are one, yet they are three separate beings. Now, I know that sounds a little bit confusing, and the reason why it sounds confusing is because it is confusing. <laughs> Um, our brains, our minds cannot comprehend how God can be one, but yet three. Um, but it's not too far of a stretch because you yourself are a triune being. You have a flesh, you have a spirit, and you have a soul. The only difference between you and God is you are not God. Uh, and so separating the three of you, it's good to see you, Amanda. I was just asking about you yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, but the, we can't separate you uh, from the three parts of who you are, uh, like God can separate himself from the three parts of who he is. But one day... The three parts of who you are will be separated because your physical body will eventually die, but your soul will last forever. And I'm really excited about that because this right here didn't quite work out the way I imagined. So I'm looking forward to going to heaven and having that heavenly body. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so I want to talk specifically about the Holy Spirit because um, we pay great attention, um, in comparison that is, we pay great attention to Jesus and to God, but not so much uh, to the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's, um, it's sad that we don't because the Holy Spirit used to be quickly embraced, um, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and everybody was good with it. The whole church, all the believers were okay with it. In the year 2017, not everybody is okay with it. The Holy Spirit didn't do anything wrong. Uh, the Holy Spirit is still the same, still awesome and spectacular, but people made it weird. And it's sad because the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. And, and weird people have misrepresented this kind, caring God that we have in the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to talk a little bit about it. I want to talk a little bit about 
him, uh, the Holy Spirit, today. And, and the question is going to be wrapped around the title, Are You Carrying? I couldn't have that title if I pastored a church anywhere other than Texas. Because in the state of Texas, if I say, are you carrying, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about, do you have a CHL license? Are you carrying? I asked Dwayne before the first service, are you, do you carry? He's like, yeah, I carry. He's looking at me like, you don't? Um, I said, well, can I see your license? He's like, boom. And I'm like, whoa. Um, People who carry are proud about carrying, and, uh, and, and I feel safer around people who carry, believe it or not, and you should as well. There's an extensive training process, but anyway, uh, here's his license to carry, and, and my question to you is this, are you carrying? Uh, because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, um, but is he flowing through you? Um, is he somebody that you acknowledge? So I'm going to answer three questions while we're together this morning. The first question is, what does the Holy Spirit do? Number two is, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And then number three, how can you prove to yourself that you are filled with the Spirit. Because a lot of times, people back up and go, I think I'm filled with the Spirit, but I don't know. So I'm going to give you a quick checklist at the end of the service, and you can just check and say, yes, I am. And and it will be very confirming. Or you may find out that there is another experience available to you. All right, so let's dive right in. And let me just say this as well. I'm always encouraging people to bring friends and family to church because it's our primary responsibility here on earth. If you haven't brought a friend or a family member to church lately, I want to encourage you to do that. It's very important. If you did bring a friend, nobody is going to embarrass anybody today. I just want to let you guys know that. All right, so here we go. Um, What does the Holy Spirit do? Number one is he comforts us. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout, and uh, my my brain is kind of going crazy because some of you are like, what do you mean embarrass people? We don't ever embarrass people, but whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, some people may go, are we going to talk about anything weird? No, no, we're not, we're not. So everyone can breathe and exhale because the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. All right, so Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So the church throughout the, all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So the church had peace. What does the Holy Spirit do? It brings peace to churches. I grew up in uh, church my whole life, and there were times where I was a part of a church where it seemed like there was fractions, or what we used to call cliques. You know, there were these people over here, and these people over here, and people would talk bad about people, and it was really a sad situation. Um, That doesn't happen when the Holy Spirit is reigning and ruling in a church. It's peaceful. It's peaceful. That doesn't happen. 
Um, and that's why this church is so peaceful and warm and nice and everybody feels welcome. Do you remember the first time you came to church here? Wave your hand. You just felt welcome here. Um, the, the reason why is because the Holy Spirit is here, number one. And number two, I pray about that. I tell the Lord, Lord, if there's any jerks that come to church, I promise, I pr- if there's any jerks that come to church, I want you to either change them or get them out. And so there are jerks that have come, and I'm like, all right, this is who we were talking about right here. <laughs> and in a few weeks, they end up being really nice and kind and awesome, and our church is even stronger because they're here. And then other times, they'll come up to me and they'll say, they usually don't say, they just kind of do it. We just feel led to go find another church. And I'm like, you are hearing from God. <laughs> you are definitely hearing from God. And there are some people that don't tell me, they just leave. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Those are your two options, change or leave. Those are your two options. If you want to pray that prayer with me, feel free to jump in. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, He also dwells within us. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. I I expressed this last Sunday. When Jesus was in the tomb, day one, day two, day three, this power, that same spirit, is inside of you. It's pretty awesome. So what does the Holy Spirit do so far that we've talked about? He comforts us. Number two, he dwells within us. Number three, he teaches us about Jesus. Now, if you ever hear somebody come up to you and say, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, they're always talking about the Holy Spirit. Just be careful. They may be awesome and dialed in and and great, or they might be a fruit loop. Just be careful. Because the Holy Spirit, when he shows up, he doesn't bring attention to him. And so people who bring attention to the Holy Spirit are doing something that the Holy Spirit himself does not do. Okay? The Holy Spirit does not show up to bring attention to himself. The Holy Spirit shows up to bring attention to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. How do you get saved? Through Jesus. Who died for you? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And so watch this. This is what the Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking. But I will send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the source of all truth. He will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me. So what does he do? He tells us about Jesus. And I like how it words there. It says this, he will tell you all about me. Raise your hand if you're a parent. Go ahead, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. So if you and I go to coffee and we sit down, you're right here, I'm right here, we have coffee, and uh, actually, we have coffee. We're having coffee, and, uh, and I sit down and I say, I want you to tell me all about your kids. Now, what I don't expect you to do is be like, all right, so um, let me tell you about me. No, that's not what I asked. I, I, I said, tell me all about your kids. 
And then what you will most likely do is about your kids. And that's what Jesus does. He tells you all about Jesus. He introduces you to Jesus. But watch this. He doesn't just point to Jesus. He actually makes us like Jesus. Watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. So when the Holy Spirit is inside of you and He's moving inside of you, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, um, my hand is already up because I know what I'm about to say, but um, how many of you can think back on you 10 years ago and think to yourself, man, God has brought me so far? Raise your hand, right? Uh, For those of you that are impressed with yourself, go back 20 years (laughs) and, and think about yourself 20 years ago and just like, oh my goodness, God has done so much. I am nothing like Jesus, but I'm a lot better than I was before. Now, how did that happen? That was the Holy Spirit making us better and better. So if anyone ever walks up to you and goes, you are a jerk, you could say back, you should have seen me 20 years ago. I'm actually an awesome guy compared to him, right? Anybody with me on that? It's like, God's not done yet, but he's been working hard. And and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Number two, number five, the Holy Spirit talks with us. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 10 through 13. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except for that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So the Holy Spirit introduces us. How does he introduce us? How does he talk to us? When we start feeling compelled when we start feeling compelled to do something. Um, my, my brother was uh, at a red light and he looked next to him and he saw a homeless guy under a bridge and, and he felt compelled to go to McDonald's and buy him some food. Um, and when he got to McDonald's, he didn't know what the guy would want. So he bought all of, I'll take a number one and number two and number three and number four and number four. He bought like one through six showed up with a big bag and the guy was gone. So he was like, well, thank you, Jesus, and ate it all. <laughs> but that, it, when you feel <laughs> compelled to do something, that is not you, that's the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know how hard he looked for the guy, um, but the Holy Spirit will draw you to do special things. Um, so that's what he does. And so we can't ignore the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore him. Even if you don't understand the Holy Spirit, that doesn't necessarily mean that he is not real. You don't understand trigonometry, but it's real. Are you with me? 
All right, so, uh, so what, what does the Holy Spirit do? I found 50 characteristics, but I only named four for the sake of your time. I have time, but I don't think you want to give me that much time this morning. So watch this. How we should be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? All right, so the Scripture says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a fascinating chapter because he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And out of nowhere, he starts talking about wine. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you're like, what are we talking about right now? Have you ever been arguing, hypothetically, with your spouse? And you get about 20 minutes in and you're like, what are we arguing about? Hypothetically, of course. It's, that's the feeling I get because Paul is talking about God and all of a sudden he brings up getting drunk. Where, where's this coming from? Well, he makes an awesome parallel. What he's saying is when you're drunk, that alcohol is influencing the way you think and it's influencing the way you behave. That's not what we want. What we want is to have the Holy Spirit influencing the way we think and the way we behave. Oh, that's a brilliant. I was, you, you lost me there for a second, but now that was brilliant. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. He influences. Now, the question is, is are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's a very interesting question. And to make it more interesting, I'll ask you like this. Do you need another baptism? Because the Bible speaks of three baptisms. You may be listening to me this morning and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't even know I actually need another baptism. Watch this. So the first baptism is in Acts chapter uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, free or slave. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Now watch this. So when you say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. You can't see what just happened. But the Spirit of God brings you into the family of God at that moment. Now, the scripture is calling it baptizing you, but immersed in the family at that moment. So um, if you've ever heard a story or maybe you have a family member that didn't live for Jesus at all their whole life and they're laying on their deathbed and they say that prayer or they squeeze somebody's hand to say, yes, you pray the prayer, I can't speak but I'm agreeing to what you just said. They are immediately baptized into the family. The Holy Spirit does it. You can't see it. They're baptized into the family. That's the first baptism. If you've ever given your life to Jesus, you didn't see it, but you were baptized. You were immersed into the family. That's the first baptism. That's the most important one, by the way. If you haven't done that, we gotta, we got to fix that today because that's what gives you a reservation in heaven. Now, there's a second baptism. There's three. Here's the second one. 
Um, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So now we got a second baptism. What we have is people being baptized into water. Raise your hand if you've ever been baptized in water before. There you go. You have experienced the second baptism. Now the first baptism, when you prayed that prayer, the Holy Spirit baptized you into the family. You didn't see it. It happened in the Spirit. The Spirit did it. Who did it? Good. Who did it? Excellent. The second one, the disciples go out, the ministers go out and baptize in water. Who baptized in water? The ministers did it. Who baptized in water? There you go. So the first one, the Holy Spirit did it. The second one, ministers did it. So we got two baptisms right there. If you have given your life to the Lord, you're baptized once, I want to challenge you to be baptized that second time in water. It's a a baptism of repentance. It's a public proclamation of what happened in the Spirit. Are you with me? So that's two. Number three, here's the third baptism. John the Baptist was preaching one day in the Bible. He was preaching out in the wilderness. And he said this, Matthew 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water. Because why? He's a minister. For repentance. But, here comes the third baptism. After me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when he says he, he's talking about Jesus. So, here we go. Here's number one. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. You're my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit baptizes you, immerses you in the body. Then you're baptized in water by a minister. Boom. A lot of times people just stop there. But there's a third baptism where Jesus, who does the baptizing? Good. Say it again. Who does the baptizing? So who did the first baptism? Yes. Who did the second baptism? Good. Who did the third baptism? It's awesome. Are you learning something today? So Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And when you have been baptized, so now what we're seeing here is that there is a difference between having the Holy Spirit in you, remember? (gasps) Right? If you believe, it's in you. But there's a difference when you've been baptized, submerged, immersed, drenched, soaked in the Spirit. Because when, once that happens, there are things in your life that begin to accelerate. And if you need proof, you can look at these certain accelerators as proof. Okay? There's four accelerators or four pieces of evidence. You don't need all four. You only need one just to prove to yourself, I have been baptized in the Spirit. You only need four. So I'm going to share all four with you. All right? So here we go. We're going into Roman numeral three, proof that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here we go. The first one is found in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes. Here comes the proof. 
and fills you with power from heaven. So the proof is that you will have power. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking what I was thinking. Power to do what? Good question. Let's go back to the Bible. All questions are answered in the Bible. Whenever somebody answers a question by saying, well, I just believe, right? So Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it describes what the power is. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So, how many of us in this church have said, God, I want to please you. I just can't. I want to stop talking like that. I want to stop looking at that. I want to start doing that. I just can't help it. When all of a sudden you feel yourself able to be more consistent, more righteous, that is the power that you didn't have prior to. So when I asked you earlier, how many of you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you look back and go, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit has made you stronger and given you the power to do that. So that is the first indication. That is the first piece of evidence. Here's the second piece of evidence that proves that you're filled with the Spirit. Are you ready? Fruits. See, now, before I go, let me just hit pause. People have lived their whole life telling themselves that there is only one piece of evidence that proves that someone is filled with the Spirit. They've lived their whole life that way. And if that's you, you've lived your whole life believing that there's one piece of evidence, what you might be doing right now is just sitting here waiting for your favorite evidence. And every, all the other three you're just not even listening to. I wonder if he's going to say the one I want him to say. But Jesus, I know your opinion is precious to you, but Jesus said that when he comes, he will fill you with power. So if that's not your favorite one of the four, this one is good enough. All right. In fact, I could almost go so far as to say that it's probably the most important one because this is the one that brings the others. Watch this. Number two, here's the second evidence, is fruits. In Galatians chapter 5, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. Those are fruits. When the Holy Spirit is flowing through your life, those fruits are growing. You judge a tree by its nice. And so if you say or you believe that you're filled with the Spirit, we look at your fruit. We don't look at your gifts. We look at your fruit. You can fake gifts. You can't fake fruit. Ever seen someone try to fake love? <laughs> you can figure that out real quick. You don't love me. You liar. You know, that's not nice to say, but so it's fruits. Number three, here's the other piece of evidence, is that there are gifts that get passed out. The Holy Spirit shows up and gives gifts. These gifts can be read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
Lots of gifts. In fact, uh, I was doing a study this week. There's 25 different spiritual gifts that a person could have. And this is a good time for me to promote Growth Track 301. Because we have a spiritual giftings test. You take that test and it will show you what your spiritual gift is. So number one proof, shred of proof, is a power. Number two is fruits. Number three is gifts. And number four is your personal prayer life. Changes drastically. This is another possibility of proof for a person. It's not the only, but it is proof. Watch this. Let me read it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. So in other words, um, if you're looking for proof that the Spirit of God has baptized you with His Spirit, number one is you have the power to live in a way that you never have before. Number two, you're producing fruit in a way that you never have before. Number three, you have gifts operating in your life. Number four is that your personal prayer life changes. You have an ability to speak in another language. Now, does everybody have this evidence? No, they may have the other three evidences, but not this one. However, everybody can have this particular gift. Everybody can. Now, some of you grew up on a particular scripture that read like this in 1 Corinthians. He alone decides which gift each one receives. Well, the context of that chapter is talking about gifts that edify the church, that build people up. But, when you personally have a prayer language, your prayer language edifies you. That scripture is not talking about your prayer language. That scripture is talking about gifts that edify the church. Everybody can have a prayer language if they desire it. Everybody can. Now, there are some people that have waited for years to have that prayer language and they don't have it. Um, but I would, I would push back and say that nobody has explained to you how to express that gift, how to receive that gift. Um, uh, when, uh, when I was, um, I've been speaking at camps and conventions within the church world since I was 19 years old. And I've been speaking in, in, in tongues since I was six years old. And every time I would go to a camp or a convention, the host of the camp always asks, or usually asks, hey, can you uh, pray for our people for them to speak in tongues? Well, by the time I get back to my hotel, my shirt is all wet and sweaty because it's a lot of work to pray for that many people. And so I went back to my hotel one night and I just told the Lord, I don't think I'm doing this right. I shouldn't be working this hard. Like, your spirit does not need me to work that hard. And so from there on out, uh, I stopped praying for people um, by me praying for them. Instead, I just said, I want you to come down here if you want to receive this, this gift of speaking in tongues. And 50, 60, 70, 80 people would come down. 100 people would come down. And 90 of them would go back to their seat 
in heaven speaking in tongues. It's, it's, it's that easy. But nobody uh, may have ever explained to you how that process works. It's very simple. First of all, you just say, Lord, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And what ends up happening is that you begin to say a syllable, not a word, because if you put out a word, you're going to speak in a language you already know. You say a syllable, and you just have the faith and the confidence, even though it sounds stupid to your own ears, the next syllable and the next syllable, and before you know it, it's like a spool of thread that just starts coming out of your mouth, and you can just speak in this new language. It happens all the time when people are in their car, when people are in their room. For example, when, uh, when Presley, our 12-year-old, when she was six, I looked at her and I was like, well, I was six when, when I received that gift, and I was in her bedroom, and we prayed, and you know, within seconds, Children receive it and teenagers receive it within seconds. It's adults that it's like dragging an anchor through the sand um, because they're trying to figure everything out. And you can't figure out something spiritual. You just got to do it. Um, and so um, uh, you just got to just, you know, just get comfortable with not knowing what the next syllable may sound like. And so she received it, and it was so funny because uh, about two years later, I'm praying with her in her room. Every night I pray with the kids, and we speak in English for like 60 seconds, and then we pray in tongues for like 60 seconds. Now keep in mind, when you pray in tongues, you don't really know what you're saying. Um, and so, because your spirit is praying. So I'm praying with Presley, and it's so funny because Luke comes walking in, who was six at the time. And uh, I always pray for Presley, and then I go pray for Luke or vice versa. Well, it was Presley's turn. I haven't gone to Luke's room yet. Well, he comes walking in, and he goes, What are you guys talking about? Why are you talking like that? You sound, what is going on? Now, I'm Italian, okay? And so I just, I am who I am. So I'm praying with Presley, Jesus, I want you to bless her. I want you to keep her. And I, I looked at him and said, shut your fat mouth. <laughs> Get in your room. It's not your turn. Now, Lord, bless Presley. <laughs> keep her safe. In Jesus' name, Amen. And, and so that's just, you know, I raised our kids that way. They know that I love them to pieces. It's just part of our culture. And so and lo and behold, I wasn't moving quick enough for him. So he starts, Daddy, shut up. I'll break your face. Now in Jesus' name. Um, so I walk in there and uh, he's like, what are you guys doing over there? And he was six at the time. And um, I said, well, you know, we were speaking in tongues. He goes, well, I want to do that. I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's rock and roll. I mean, within five seconds. I mean, five seconds. I mean, uh, it, it just, it's like a spool of thread. It just comes out. I'll say this, uh, and then I'll close. Um, it, if I have the house alone, it's easy for me to pray two hours. Easy. But when I pray two hours, 97% um, of the time, I'm praying in tongues. 97% of the time. If I could only pray in English, um, I think I might be able to last four minutes because it's just so much harder for me. I talked to friends who um, 
they don't speak in tongues. They only pray in English. And um, they tell some, a few of them have told me that they make a list of all the things that they want to talk to God about. And they add and subtract things from the list every day. And, and I'm happy that that works for them. And, and I know that the Lord loves spending time with them. But I'm looking at them like, a list? Like, there's no way I could pray like that. Um, when I walk into a room and I close the door and I just begin to speak in tongues, it's just so beautiful and awesome. It can go on for hours. When I'm here in church on the front row and they're worshiping, nine times out of ten, I'm not singing the song and I'm not praying. I'm speaking in tongues. Now, if you were standing next to me, you wouldn't hear me because I'm whispering it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that if people come into your church and hear people speaking in tongues, they will think, and I quote, that you are crazy. I remember bringing a friend to church one time and someone started speaking in tongues and I just wanted to crawl into a hole. Um, this is a... Uh, it, it's it, it, People who speak in tongues out loud are never people who bring friends to church. It's kind of funny how that works. Um, and they come to me like, why aren't we speaking in tongues out loud? And, and I don't even answer the question. I just say, when was the last time you brought a friend? Well, the Holy Spirit, here we go, here we go. When you're laser focused on what Jesus was laser focused on, which is reaching the world and sh sharing Jesus, uh, you begin to realize that there is a wise way and an unwise way to walk with the Lord and to pray. So I'm sharing this message with you uh, to share with you how important it is to have the Holy Spirit moving in our life. And I want to challenge you uh, to increase your prayer life in that way. If it's something that you desire, it can revolutionize your relationship with the Lord. Would you all stand your feet for me, please? Bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in the room. Without anyone looking around, would you just raise your hand right where you're at if you say, Frankie, I've enjoyed the message, but if my heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are, please? I see hands going up all over the room. As a sign of surrender, can we all just raise both hands right where we are? And let's just say this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your head down? I want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, I just know that there are so many of us that are experiencing the heat of the battle, the spiritual battle that awaits us outside of these doors. It comes at our finances. It comes at our self-esteem. It comes at our marriage. 
Lord, but your word says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not the people we have a problem with. We think that it's people, but it's not people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and rulers of the air. We wrestle against evil. And so, Lord, I just pray a blessing on their life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. There's no no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But let's sing this song one time through before you go. Would that be okay? Be blessed in the name of the Lord.